Well, it is a trinity of feasts, and it falls today on February 2nd. We celebrate the presentation of the Lord and the purification of the Blessed Virgin Mary and the traditional blessing of candles for Candlemas. So what are the circumstances that bring all of these together on one day? Well, joining us to share more, it is Father Eric Anderson, pastor at St. Stephen's Catholic Church here in Portland. Father Anderson joining us today, well, to give us more insight into these wonderful feast days. Good morning, Father Anderson. Thanks so much for joining us today. Good morning. Well, this is a lot. Now, some of it, I wonder, is circumstances just on how the number of days go. But well, we know there's no coincidences with our Lord that all of these things happen for a purpose. So I'd love to start with the purification of Mary. Now, this purification of Mary, is we understand it in Scripture, or is this a tradition of the church based on Mosaic law? So we know that it would have happened. Well, it is. Uh, it's, it's both, actually. It's in the book of Leviticus that a woman... Uh, who, um, having been with a man and conceived uh, a boy child, must come into the temple on the 40th day after, uh, after his birth, so that on the eighth day he's circumcised, and then 33 days later he's brought into the temple to be presented and she to be purified. So, Father Anderson, was Mary, though, subject to the laws of purification? Well, so let's let's take a look first of all at the Gospel of St. Luke chapter 2. At that time when the days of Mary's purification were fulfilled, according to the law of Moses, they took Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. All right. So there's the gospel. So Mary, indeed, so it's in the Levitic, Levitical law, and it's also in the gospel. But the, you're right. There's a question there. Is Mary in need of purification? Well, she's not in need of purification because she was not with a man. She did not conceive the child by the natural means uh, that a husband and wife would. Um, she conceived the child by the inbreathing of the Holy Spirit. So in that case, she's still a virgin and she's not in need of purification. But the fathers of the church are united in saying that she was not bound by the law of purification. However, she wished to submit to this law, first of all, to give an example of humility. I see. Father Eric Anderson is joining us today. We are talking about this beautiful, we'll say trifecta of wonderful traditions and feast days that fall on today. We know it as Candlemas. So you talk about humility. That example of humility, uh, did she know that that her example of humility was an important example for all of the world? Well, let's put it this way. You know, a lot of times we know what we're supposed to do, but we don't know the full import of it. So I'm just speculating here. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes we we even have a sense that what we're doing is more important than we're aware of. But there's something to it that we know we're supposed to do it. And that, you know, good will come out of it or or it's according to God's will and God has a bigger plan than we're altogether aware of. Now, I... 
there there's this sort of heretic I guess we could say a heretical song out there that says Mary did did you know and mm. it presumes that Mary doesn't have a clue you know um, whereas you know as Catholics we know from our from our tradition that Mary did have a clue although she didn't perhaps know everything she she seems to have known quite a lot uh, from from for instance the wedding of Cana she seems to know something and it's indicated when when Jesus says to her um, woman what is this to me and to thee my hour has not yet come as though she would understand what he meant by that sure. hour so here um, we we understand something about the purification of the Blessed Virgin that in order for it to be, um, in order for this transition to come or for the fulfillment to come, this has to be done so that the next thing can happen. It's kind of like when Jesus is baptized, he's not in need of baptism, but by him being baptized, he transforms baptism, he brings it to fulfillment, and the fathers say that he blesses the water of baptism by his own baptism. So that the baptism of John is altogether different from the Trinitarian baptism, the sacrament of baptism. So we could say that the presentation of the Lord is fulfilled here and therefore after this is no longer needed. And also that the purification of the Blessed Virgin, that she goes through this in order to bring it to an end. And to bring about something new. Well, obviously, there is always more to the story than what we just read on the surface. Father Eric Anderson joining us today to explain a little bit more about this unique purification of Mary. Well, it also falls on, as you said in the beginning, the presentation of the Lord. Both of those things happen at the same time. Now, the presentation of the Lord, we know the story from Scripture. He was brought to the temple. Mary and Joseph were poor, so all they had were two doves in order to present. Well, it's an important part of the law. How is this story, the bringing of a baby to the temple, fit into the whole of our salvation history and story. It's a type of his um, his crucifixion, in a way, or it points toward his his offering of sacri- of himself in sacrifice. Okay, let's put it that way. Um, oftentimes, in meditating upon the mysteries of the Rosary, there are certain little meditations or things that go along with them. And Saint Louis de Montfort, for the decade of the presentation of the Child in the Temple. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb. Jesus sacrificed. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. As one of the methods that St. Louis de Montfort gives for praying the rosary is that you add a one word or a short little phrase after the word Jesus yes. to remind you of that mystery. And so the word that he chooses for this particular mystery is sacrificed, which is interesting because... The various events of the infancy narrative point towards something that is to come. For instance, his circumcision is the first shedding of his precious blood. Mm-hmm. At eight days old, he sheds his precious blood for the first time. In the nativities, you know, you usually see the baby lying in the crib with his arms extended and his feet together as they are on the cross, on the crucifix. Mm. 
So we see in his infancy narrative things that are pointing towards something that is later to be fulfilled. So his offering in the temple is pointing toward his sacrifice, that yeah, the two turtle doves are being brought to be sacrificed in place of him. But in reality, we understand that he himself is being brought as the offering, but he's not yet to be offered. It's another 33 years before he'll be offered. Amazing. And it was 33 days between his circumcision to when he was presented. Yeah. Very interesting correlation. Right. Father Eric Anderson is joining us this morning talking about this beautiful feast day. Father Eric, I have enjoyed our conversation so much, but there is more I want to talk to you about this presentation of the Lord. I'm coming up against my break. Can you stay with me through the break? Oh, I sure will. Look forward to it. I am continuing now my conversation with Father Eric Anderson. Father Anderson is the pastor at St. Stephen's Catholic Church right here in Portland, joining us today to talk about, well, a trinity of feast days with the presentation of the Lord, the purification of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and the traditional blessing of candles on this day. Father Anderson, before we took our break, we were talking about the presentation of the Lord. And in looking things up, I found out that in Eastern churches, the presentation of the Lord is called the Feast of Encounter. And that's when we hear about this encounter between Simeon and Anna. So this is another part of the story where it seems like, huh, that was interesting story and quite wonderful, perhaps for this old man and this old woman. But why is it important to the story of Christ and his passion? So yes, this is another name for today's feast in in the in the Greek. Well, I I don't know Greek, but <laughs> I think it's pronounced hypopanti, hypopanti, which is equivalent to uh, a meeting. It signifies some sort of a meeting, and so that's because Simeon and Anna met the Lord, or encountered the Lord when he was offered in the temple. So this is an important part, Simeon taking the child in his arms and calling the Lord by several things. He, he says that the Lord is salvation, light, and glory. And here's that famous, uh, well, it's the, a chant of the church. It's, it's from the Gospel of St. Luke, but it's, it's the, the chant that is sung during this feast, but also every night at Compline at night prayer. Now thou dost dismiss thy servant, O Lord, according to thy word in peace, because my eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared in the face of all peoples, a light to the revelation of the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. So he's called Salvation, Light, and Glory by Simeon. And it's from this light that we get um, that we get the the you know the candles mm. or that we are carrying the light and it's just a little light now but it will be, it will become a bigger light in another I don't know usually another what 70 80 days from now okay as we enter into the Lenten season and, of course, the Easter Triduum. Father Eric Anderson joining us today talking about this beautiful celebration of Candlemas. All right, Father Anderson, so you've talked a lot about light, about candle. We have the Easter candle. We have the light of the world born at Christmas. We Catholics focus a lot of time and attention 
on candles. In fact, recently on The Morning Blend, we talked about the most Google questions about the Catholic faith. If you typed into Google, why do Catholics, and then let it autofill with the most popular questions that come after it, Ah, one of those top 10 things are, why do Catholics light candles? Now, this feast day is called Candlemas. So let's talk a little bit about why we bless candles on this particular day and uh, what candles mean for us as Catholics. Right. Well, it, it has come down to us over the many, many centuries. And it is said that this, I think it is said that this feast is uh, very, very early. Some would say it's of apostolic origin, the 40th day uh, after the birth of the Lord. So that we bless candles at this Mass, not just for the procession, but there's a custom of also people bringing their their candles in to be blessed, but also of the parish blessing the candles that are to be used. I mean, I, I suppose back in the day when things weren't so readily available, that they would bless the candles used for the for the whole year. Okay, be a lot of candles, uh, but uh, but at the altar that they would bless um, a representation of the candles that are that would be used for the year in the church. But mainly we we bless. Uh, the little processional candles okay, uh, that will be carried by the people in that particular Mass. Now, what you can also do is you can bless the candles that will be used then at that Mass, but also the little candles that people will hold at the Easter Vigil. Oh, I see. You can bless all those little processional tapers. So it's a fulfillment of what begins at Christmas, at Midnight Mass, uh, it's customary to have mass in uh, in a darker church with the little hand candles, the little processional tapers, and they're little candles. And so at Candlemas, again, you have little candles because Jesus is a baby still, just 40 days old. At the Easter vigil, you have this enormous candle because our Lord, not only is he an adult, but he has died and he's risen again, so, and he's God. So it's this enormous candle candle. Okay, so that's part of the part of the answer. The other an- question then is why do we light candles? Well, the whole tradition of candles goes back to the synagogue as well, to the Jewish people and to the lighting of lamps, uh, oil lamps. In the Catholic Church we use by tradition beeswax candles. Yes. Or at least 51% beeswax <laughs> candles, so they're majority beeswax. Well, one of the ways we can look at it is that a candle is an offering, and we could say that it's a whole burnt offering. So in the Old Testament, you have the Holocaust, which is a whole burnt offering, and you have the oblation, which is an offering that is shared with God. So the Mass is an oblation. We bring forth bread and wine on the altar. It's changed into the body and blood of Christ, and then it's shared back with us. So we offer something, God receives it, changes it, and then shares it with us. And so it is with the sacrifice of a lamb, you know, in mm-hmm. the, in, in the uh, Old Covenant, that it was shared with the people. Okay. So the yeah. lamb was offered, and then they ate of the lamb. So they shared the offering with God. That's called an oblation. A holocaust is a whole burnt offering. You give it all to God. You don't receive anything back. I see. I mean, you receive God's you know, God's blessings and, and, and such. But that's how we might look at a candle. It's a whole burnt offering 
the whole thing is burned up and we don't we don't take take anything yeah, back. Yeah, sure. Father Anderson, would this be a good day? Would if parishioners came to you with candles that they would keep in their home, maybe yes. for a home altar? Mm-hmm. Is that something they could bring to yeah. church today or yeah. any other day and have them blessed? Well, they can bring them any day to have candles blessed, but it is a special day to have them blessed, and so we do have an enormous pile of candles that bring people bring on this day. Really? Um, yeah. I mean, you have to get there before mass. Or bring them ahead of time. Okay. Uh, but yes, uh, it's a great day to have your candles blessed. And it's special because you know they were blessed on Candlemas. Oh, I think that's perfect. Every home, yes, have that little home oratory, that place where you pray. And there's one more thing about that lighting of candles. So another reason why we light candles is not just that it's an offering to God, but um, it's referred to as a votive candle. It has something to do with a vow, of a votive is like a, a vow of some sort, that we are asking God for something, you know, or we are promising God something, mm-hmm. or we're following through on something we've promised to God, and we come and light a candle sort of as a, as a sign of either what we have fulfilled or what we're asking for. And the other thing that's neat, and I remember seeing this at Lourdes in France years ago, and if you've been there, you you know they have these enormous banks of candles at Lourdes and Fatima and these various places. They almost like <laughs> they become infernos of fire. Sure, I've seen those for sure. <laughs> but there's a sign that I read once there, and it said uh, something to the effect of, you know, let this candle ex- as long as this candle burns, let it extend my prayer. So that the flame itself, mm-hmm. being from a blessed candle, somehow it, it represents the tongue of fire of the Holy Spirit, and, but also that the, the flame itself has a life, and the candle is the offering that is being burned. Sure. And so while that, that flame is burning, it ex- your prayer is being prayed. Wow. So you leave, but the flame continues your prayer. I love it. Isn't that neat? That is, again, so beautiful. I've never thought about it that way, but I appreciate all of those things, especially when you talk about these small processional or little votive candles, too. You know, you think about Easter Vigil Mm -hmm. and how you think, well, I've just got this one little candle. But when that candle is spread in that light to everyone that has one little candle, yes, the church is lit right, and lit beautifully. And you should take those home. Because okay. even if you don't bring a candle to be blessed to take home with you, that is your candle that has been blessed to take home with you. Perfect. Because you won't burn the whole thing during Mass. No, you won't. That's right. And that's a wonderful way, again, bring that home, offer your yeah. prayer, and as you said, it will be extended. Mm-hmm. Well, Father Anderson, I have enjoyed this extended time with you today. Thank you so very much. Before you go, will you offer us a prayer and your priestly blessing? Yes. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, we humbly beseech your majesty that, as your only begotten Son was this day presented in the temple in substance of our flesh, so you would grant us also to be presented to you with purified souls through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. And may the blessing of Almighty God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit descend upon you and remain with you forever. Amen.
And again, that is Father Eric Anderson, pastor at St. Stephen's Church here in Portland. Father Anderson, thank you again so much for your time. God bless you. God bless you too.